Well, let's open up with a word of prayer and then let's get into the word. Amen. Worship softens the heart, opens the ear, stirs our faith, and gets us ready for what the Lord wants to prepare and give us this evening. Amen. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for the saints that are gathered here together in your name. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for their obedience. We ask your blessing upon them this evening. I ask your blessing upon Pastor Rick. Father, thank you for the man of God that stands behind this pulpit. Thank you for him. Thank you for his discipline in pursuing you and pursuing the word and rightly dividing it and giving it to us straight and giving it to us as you desire, Lord God. Thank you for this man. I ask you to bless him. Bless Sister Kim. Bless Riley and Austin, Lord. Just minister to the family, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the message that I want to bring to you this evening is something that I've wanted to bring for quite a while. And the reason why I wanted to bring it is because the church needs to know certain things, well, all things in the Bible, but certain things, especially when we hear the world speaking things and then we seem to think, well, okay, that sounds right. And what I want to speak to you tonight is I want to give you a biblical perspective of the earth. See, we hear, well, we don't have much time. The earth doesn't have much time. If we don't do this, if we don't do that, well, you know, um, things are going to happen. We hear almost on a daily basis that the earth is in trouble and in need of saving. We hear that we have a short time to do it. Tonight, I want to give you a brief overview of a biblical perspective of the earth. See that so many times the, we hear words, we hear the voice of the world and, and we say, okay, well, that sounds, that sounds right. We hear scientists and we hear politicians. We hear all these people telling us about the earth. But the word of God tells us about the earth. The word of God tells us about the beginning and it tells us about its end. And so if the word of God is going to tell us about its beginning and its end, it's going to give us a biblical perspective of the earth. And if the, if the Bible is going to give us a biblical perspective of the earth, then we need to know what God is saying about the earth more than what the world is saying about the earth. See, we have to be able to refute lies. Or we have to be able to present biblical truths about the earth. And as the church and as Christians, we need to have a biblical perspective of the earth. And so it's been my heart's desire to do this, and I'm grateful to be able to do it tonight. So um, I hope you've got pen and paper handy, and there's going to be a lot of different scriptures I want to give to you. There could be so much I can do. This could take a, a long time. We're not going to do it all in one, in one night. But I want to give you a biblical perspective. I want to give you an overview of what the Word of God says about the earth. Now, first and foremost, we know that the earth belongs to the Lord. Amen? It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the, of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. 
So what we see here is that the Lord is the creator of heaven and earth. We know this. I'm not giving you something that, wow, I did not know that. I thought, you know, I thought, you know, it was, it was some magnificent architect put this all together. We know, we know that the earth was created by, by the Lord. Yet, there are people that think that two comets collided and over a, a, a period of time, it cooled and it, sh- and, it, and it had this shape that it has. And out of that shape, out of, out of that chaos, really is what it is, out of that chaos came life. Seems like this little amoeba crawled out of the water and then all of a sudden things began to change and evolution took place. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that the Lord is the creator of heaven and earth. If the Lord, if the earth is the Lord's, and it is, what does the Bible teach us about the earth regarding it? See, if he created it, then he created the earth for a purpose. Obviously, for for us to live and breathe and enjoy the earth, to enjoy his presence, to pursue God in it, to understand the just creation itself is a witness that there's a God. Have you ever looked at a sunset and say that, wow, how can people not see? Have you ever gone to the zoo and looked at different animals, different creation, and say, how can people say that there is no God? How did this, how can people just say that this just happened by accident? When each and every creation is the, is the handiwork of God. And the Bible tells us that day and night that his, that his witness goes forth through, throughout all the earth. So let's take a look tonight at the earth from a biblical perspective. It's beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. To anyone who opens the Bible, they are immediately confronted with earth's origins. Immediately. God gives us a peek at the beginning. It's a wonderful thing. God is holding no secrets. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he tells us it was formless and void, and the Spirit of the Lord moved over over the surface of the waters, and now we see that he we see what's beginning to happen is God begins to shape and transform and make the earth. It was God who created it. It was God who gave it, gave it its form. And it was God who gave it its light. And it was God who gave it its life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God owns the earth. In Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2, it says, The earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas, and he established it upon the rivers. So we see in Scripture again that says, The earth belongs to the Lord and everyone in it, everything in it. The mountains, the seas, the, the, the life, the aquatic life, the, 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 the beast of the fields, the 
birds of the air, even us. The Lord owns the earth. And so it said, as we see here, as born-again believers, we know from Scripture that the earth belongs to the Lord. He is sovereign over the nations and the peoples of the earth. Well, if he's sovereign over the, the nations and the people of the earth, how come everybody doesn't know that the Lord created the heavens and the earth? Because God gives free will to man. And he gives us free will for two reasons, either to pursue him or to not pursue him, to know truth or to not to know truth, to pursue even the truth of earth's origins and, the and, and how the earth, what's the will of the Lord for the earth. All these things are found in Scripture. And so God, when he gives us free will, he gives us free will for us to pursue truth. The Hebrew word for the word founded, as it says here, that he founded it upon the seas and he established it upon the waters. That Hebrew word is yosad, which when it's translated means he set it in place and he established it. So when we're looking and it says, well, he founded it, when we look at it and we can say, well, what does it mean to say he founded it? That's when we go a little bit deeper and we want to know what's that original word that, that founded. Well, what does it mean? And then as we look in the Hebrew and we see the Hebrew word yosad, basically it's that he established it and he set it in place. There's a portion of scripture in, in Job, and I didn't pull it out tonight, but it says that he hangs the earth on nothing. It's there. It's hanging out. There's no hooks. There's no cable. Right? There's no platform. You know, we have a, we have a, a, a cardboard cut out of the earth, and we have to put it in, on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a stand or for, in order for it to, to stand. But God creates the earth, and it hangs on nothing. He established it. He holds it. It's his. It's there, and it's hanging on nothing. How many when you were kids remember when you had that science project and you had to make the earth and the moon and, uh, and, this, and you made it in a shoebox and you made it with strings and it, it was all kind of hanging there. That's the best we can do. We go out and we buy fishing line and we hang it there. We make a, however we make our earth out of a styrofoam ball or however we do it and we paint it and we make this nice little thing. It's great. I remember doing it, but we had to hang it on something. God doesn't have to hang the earth on nothing. He made it and he sustains it. And so we see that he founded it upon the rivers, upon the seas. He founded it upon the water. God established the times for when people would inhabit the earth. It says in Acts 17, verses 24 through 26, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, there's the Bible again, re, uh, confirming who, who owns the heavens and the earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, 
having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. See, when God created that, when God created the earth, he also created the times in which we would be born and we would inhabit the earth. We were created for such a time as this. There came a time when our birth date, when we would come and we would inhabit the earth, and we would inhabit the earth to fulfill the purpose of God in our generation and in our lifetime. So God created the earth, and then he created man, and he established the times for which we would be born and for the purposes in which we would fulfill. Now, God holds the deed to the earth. Now, if you have an apartment, you have a lease. If you have a home, you have a deed. You have some sort of paperwork that gives you proof that you live where you live, and you have a legal documentation to what you, where you occupy. God has legal documentation concerning the earth. Now, this is going to get a little complicated, and I want to bring it to you. See, God gave Adam the deed to the earth. Genesis chapter, chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, from, from the tree of the garden you may eat, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Now, this is kind of incredible. So God created, created the earth, right? And, and, and we know the time frame. He, he gives us the time frame, and then he creates man. And then he gives man the earth. He says, here you go. You can eat all of this, but don't eat this. And then he gives him a job. And he begins to bring all the animals to him. And God begin, and he says, whatever name the man gave the animal, that was its name. So, he, so God gives him the earth. He gives him instructions. And then he brings creation before him. And he gives him a job. And his job was to name, name the animals of the earth. And his, other, his most important job was to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know how that turned out. But let's go on. So we see that God gives him the earth. He gives him a mission. He begins to fulfill the mission. And then Satan takes the deed away from man. Again, the devil took... Oh, no, let me, whoop, let me back up there. So we see in, in Genesis that this happens. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that man fell. And when man fell, as, God, as they disobeyed God... All of creation now was transferred to the enemy, to Satan. We see this because now what happens is, as we, see, as we see this now fall, the fall was so devastating that it literally changed life on the earth. Remember, he said, from every plant you can eat, 
And now what happens is when God redeems man, he has to kill an animal, he has to, he has to clothe them. And now when the, when the world was at peace and animal was not pursuing animal, we see now that these things happened. The whole order of earth had changed. And so the deed transferred now from, from man, it changed, it went over to, to the enemy. Now listen to this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Again, the devil took him, him being Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Who showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory? The devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Okay, now how could Satan do this if he was not in control of the kingdoms of the world and their glory? Do you understand what's happening here? Man, when he fell, transferred ownership now to Satan. And what happens here is Jesus is being tempted. Satan brings him to a high place and he shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and all their glory. And Satan says to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, isn't it amazing? What, is, what does the scripture say? That the Lord created the heavens and the earth, right? Okay, here is Satan tempting Jesus and saying, I'll give you all these kingdoms if you'll bow down and worship me. Now, isn't it funny? Jesus being the creator of heaven and earth, why didn't he refute him? Tell him, no, the earth belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. Because Jesus didn't refute him because he was going to, his mission was to redeem things back to himself. See, he gave it to man. Man surrendered it. It belonged to the enemy. And now when, 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 the, Lord is, when the Lord redeems man, he also redeems all that was lost. And so when, when Jesus dying on the cross, when he says it is finished, he redeemed everything back to himself. So when the enemy says, I'll give you all of these king kingdoms and all their glory, if you'll what? But bow down and worship me. See, Jesus does not refute Satan concerning the kingdoms of the earth. What he refutes him and says, I don't worship you. I worship the Lord and I serve him only. And so he doesn't refute him concerning what was now his. Now, Jesus redeems man and takes back the deed from Satan. Revelations 5, verses 1 through 10. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under, under the earth was able, was able to be, was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals 
for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood every man from, from every tribe, tongue, and peoples and, the na and nations. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth forever. So we see that there was this battle that had taken place. God creates the earth. He does this thing. He gives man the deed. This is what you're to do. This is it. You now have ownership of all of this. And then man falls, and the ownership now is transferred. When Jesus dies and, 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 and redeems man back to himself and all things, even creation is redeemed back to him, and we see that God presents back to him the book with seals, basically the deed to the earth. Amen. Now, the earth's demise is not from waters rising. If one of the things we're told is that, that the, the earth is going to get so warm that the, the things are going to melt and the waters are going to rise and flood the earth. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like what I've heard from, the, from Scripture. And so I, I remember hearing this years and years and years ago and be like, ah, that doesn't pass, the, that doesn't pass this test here. See, in Genesis chapter 9, verses 11 through 17, God speaking to Moses said, I established my covenant with you. And all, when he revealed this to Moses, he said, I established my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the waters of the flood. Now, he's speaking to Noah, but, but Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So he's revealing to Moses all that took place. So he says, by the water of the, of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth, that a bow will appear to be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature and all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature and all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So the earth will never again be destroyed by flooding. Will there be floods on the earth? Minimal, not enough floods to, to overtake the Tyus Peaks. Not a flood to destroy all mankind, not a flood to destroy all living creatures. God made a covenant with man that never again will the waters rise to destroy the earth. So he makes a covenant. God made an everlasting covenant with man to seal this with a rainbow. Now the earth gives signs to the return of the Lord. Matthew 24, verses 6 through 8. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. 
But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. So the earth basically gives signs or groans or shakings in its anticipation for the coming of the Lord. Now we see just yesterday that there was a 7.0 earthquake in Mexico. The National Earthquake Information Center now locates about 20,000 earthquakes around the globe each year. Say 20,000, how come we don't hear of them? Some of them are small. Or approximately 55 earthquakes per day. As a result of the improvement in communications and the increased interest in natural disasters, the public now learns about earthquakes more quickly than ever before. According to long-term records, since about 1900, we expect about 16 major earthquakes in any given year. That includes 15 earthquakes in a magnitude of seven, seven range or one earthquake in a magnitude of eight or greater. In the past 40 or 50 years, our records show that we have exceeded the long-term average number of major earthquakes about a dozen times. The year with the longest total was 2010 with 23 major earthquakes greater than, equal, greater than or equal to a 7.0. In other years, the total was well below the annual long-term average of 16 major earthquakes. In 1989, only had six major earthquakes, and in 1988, there was only seven. So we see here that the word of the Lord was telling us, listen, these are the things that are going to happen before the coming of the Son of Man. And one of the things that he talks about are earthquakes. And as we see here, as technology improves, we're finding out that there are, there are at least 55 earthquakes a day. They're small, but they're there, and, they're, and they're, they're recorded. And so we see that the earth trembles or the earth shakes in its anticipation for the coming of the Lord. Wars. Now, uh, this is a little perspective from, not, from 1776 until 2017, the United States has been in wars 222 out of 239 years of its independence. That's about 93% of its history that we've been at war. The earth has been at war since it's falling. We see Cain rose up and killed Abel. So we see that violence, once man fell, and transferred dominion from himself to Satan, that we have what we have is violence on the earth, and we see that violence continues throughout its history. Now, I want to start to bring you some good news, I think. One day, the church will be raptured from the earth. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us to encourage each other with this. One day... The church will be raptured from the earth. 1 Thessalonians verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There's going to come a day when me and you are going to be taken from the earth. 
Some of us will taste death before this happens. Some of us won't. But the word is encouraging and saying, those of us who don't taste death, when that time comes, the Lord is going to descend. He's going to give a loud shout. There's going to be a trumpet call, and we're up. And we're gone. And so I'm encouraging you with these words, because the Bible tells me to encourage. We look now, and we see a lot of bad things happening on the earth. And we're like, oh, boy. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, Look at the signs of the earth. You're seeing wars. You're seeing rumors of war. You're seeing earthquake. The day of the Lord is drawing near. Be encouraged. We can look. We can turn on the TV. We can see the bad news. We can see, we can see things happening. We see evil uh, presenting itself in full display. Hold fast. Pray. Stay true to the word. Stay true to the Lord. Stay true to your faith. Because one day, whoosh, we're out of here. And when that happens, the earth is going to go through some tribulation. Not only the people, but the earth is going to suffer greatly as well. So let's begin to look at the earth during the tribulation. In Revelation chapter 6, we're, introdu we're introduced to some horses of color. We're introduced to a white horse. And this white horse goes out to conquer people, basically to subject them to the powers that be, governmental powers. So he's going to go out and conquer people. It's going to conquer nations. So the white horse goes out, and it is a conquering enemy that rides this horse. Then we have the red horse and rider that goes out and takes peace from the earth. So this horse goes out and begins to bring war on the earth. Now we have a black horse and rider that goes out and it brings famine. This is all found in Revelations chapter 6. Next, we have a gray horse or an ashen horse or a pale horse and rider. And they go out and they bring pestilence through weapons, famine, and wild beasts. So we see that the earth is now, once the church is taken up, And the protection that is upon the earth, holding back forces of evil, once the earth is taken up, the evil forces are released upon the earth. And so we start to see turmoil in, in, in ways that uh, the earth has never witnessed before. And it becomes, and it, be, and it begins to increase in its evil and it begins to increase in its turmoil. Martyrdom also takes place because people hold to the word of God, they hold to their testimony that they had maintained, and there is a great killing of believers. Then there's a great earthquake. So we have another earthquake. Now, we go from Revelation chapter 6, we go to Revelation chapter 7, and there's an intermission in the scripture. And basically, there's things going on in heaven. There's those that are clothed now in white who have held to their testimony who are now ministering to the Lord before the throne. There's great worship going on before the throne. There's the 144 who had not sullied themselves with the world that, um, that, that come out of the, the Jewish nation, and they are crowned and they are recognized by the Lord. And so we have this, we have this little intermission, and then we go to Revelations chapter 8. And as soon as we go to Revelations chapter 8, there's another earthquake. And now we have from, we go from riders on 
colors of horses, we now go to trumpet blast. And at the first trumpet blast, a third of the earth, a third of the trees, and a third of the grass are burned up through some sort of cataclysmic um, meteor strike. They basically says it's a great star, but we have to understand too that we're talking about a first century man looking almost into the 21st century and trying to describe what he sees. So we have to see that what he's seeing, he's trying to describe in the best words that he can from a first century person describing the end times and all its technology. So we see the first thing that happens, we have an earthquake, then we have a, we have a meteor strike. The second trumpet sounds and the sea becomes blood a third of the sea becomes blood, a third of aquatic life dies, and a third of the ships on the earth are destroyed. Then we have a third trumpet blast. And a great star, which they give the name Wor Wormwood, hits the earth, and a third of the rivers and a third of the streams become bitter. So we see the earth is going through incredible turmoil when their church is taken up. We have a fourth trumpet sound. A third of the sun, the moon, and the stars are darkened. So we see that there is a great altering happening now. We see that now we see a third of the sun is darkened. A third of the moon is darkened. A third of the stars cease to exist. So we see what's happening now on the earth is going through its great turmoil. It's going through great tribulation. Good thing is, is we're not there to see this. But this is going on, and it's going on in the earth. Revelations chapter 9, the earth during the tribulation. The fifth trumpet sounds, and there is tormenting locusts. If you have a job with Orkin at this time, I would ask you kindly to hand in your resignation. Because these are not just locusts, they're tormenting locusts. And they are called forth by God to torment men, to sting their locusts with the stinger of a scorpion. Now, this, this can take on men, much meaning. Again, a first century man describing 21st century technology. This could be, it could be uh, some sort of uh, helicopter, it could be some sort of flying aircraft, or it could literally be locusts. But as we see here, they sting man and it torments man for five months. And if you think that's bad, they're told the Lord has given them commandment not to hurt any man who has the seal of God on their forehead. Believe, this is amazing. While this tribulation is going on, there are still saints on the earth that God has purposed to stand on the earth as a witness during the tribulation. They have the seal of God on their forehead, and they are not being tormented by these locusts. Now, these people that are being stung by these locusts, they're going to seek death, and death is going to evade them. They're going to wish for death, and death is going to literally run away from them. You want to die, and death's like, nah, I don't have your name on the list. Matter of fact, I'm, 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 I'm evading you. Death will evade man for these five months while they're in torment. The sixth trumpet, 
Four angels who were bound by the great ri river Euphrates are loosened. They were, they were been bound for such a time and such a purpose. They are now unloosed, and, and they, are all, they are given commandment to kill a third of mankind. So we see we had a third of the sun darkened, a third of the moon darkened, a third of the stars have fallen from the sky. Man is being tormented by locusts for five months, and death is evading man. And now what comes next is the four, these four angels that are chained in the river Euphrates are loosened, and they are loosened, and they kill a third of mankind on the earth. Revelations chapter 9, 20 through 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Can you imagine this? All this is going on on the earth, and man still will not repent. That is a hard heart. The church is raptured. There's great evil, there's earthquakes, there's disasters, there's famine, there's war, there's sickness, there's pestilence, there's earthquakes. Now there's these tormenting locusts, and now the third of the earth is, is, is uh, of mankind is killed, and man still will not repent. It goes to show you that man's, the depth of, of the evil of man knows no limits, that they will not even repent. I've got some good news for you again. I'm looking at you. This is really meant to encourage you, to give you wisdom when you hear what, the, what people's governments, people in power, people of influence, people of media influence tell you about the earth. You need to know what your Bible tells you about the earth so that you can refute lies with the truth. Can you imagine? Hey, I, I, I'll take global warming over all this stuff that is happening right now, right? Say, you think that's what's going to happen? I can tell you exactly what's going to happen, and I can show you from Scripture exactly what's going to happen on the earth. I'll take, I'll take heat. I'll take some global warming. I like the heat. But what's coming on the earth is a lot greater and a lot more of consequence than, than these little things that they're saying. And, and, and so we, we have to understand and we really need to know our scripture because we need to be able to stand in truth and know what is coming upon the earth and what is the, his, what is the history. What is, remember, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus told us the earth only has a time limit, and the time limit of the earth we see is coming to an end, and there are great things happening on the earth. But here's some great things. The earth is going to be at peace for a thousand years. See, all this turmoil and all this happen. what happens is we're coming back. We're coming back with Jesus. Jesus, oh, somebody's like, oh my God, we're, co we're coming back. To yes, we're coming back. The earth is not going to look like, after all this, we're going to come back. There's going to be a third of this. We're going to come back to a junkie. No, that's not what's going to happen. The Lord will come back. He will set his foot on the earth, and he will restore the earth. Listen to this. This is Revelations 20, verses 1 through 6. The earth is at peace for a thousand years. 
Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and he shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until a thousand years was completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. You can clap there because that's a good place. The earth has not known a thousand years of peace. When Christ comes back and rules on the earth, he restores the earth, and there is a thousand years of peace. That's good news. <laughs> the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years was completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So there's going to be some reigning and ruling of the church again when it comes back now. It comes back, it comes back sinless, it comes back powerful. Uh, those who stood strong for the testimony of Jesus Christ and gave their lives, they stand and now they are given rule and reign over the earth. And the earth now receives a thousand years of peace. The earth as we know it ends. Revelations. Oh, no, wait. The earth's last war, excuse me. Revelations 27 through 10. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together, together, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand on the seashore, and they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, that being Jerusalem. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we see that there's going, so after the thousand years, Satan is loosed again, and what does he do? You think he would have learned from the, from the first thousand years of, of, of torment. He goes out and he deceives the nations again. The devil is, un, is unable to be able to repent. Or he is a deceiver, and when he's let loose again, he does exactly what he, what he had done in the garden. He does again and again and again, and that is to deceive, and he deceives the nations enough to actually to gather them for war against the Lord. And the Lord goes, and it's over. So all these armies, all these weaponry, all these men, all these infantry, all, all of the weapons of warfare are gathered against the camp of the saints and Jerusalem, and God goes, Then he takes Satan, and he throws him into the fire of brimstone, and it's over for him forever. So this is the earth's last war. 
the earth as we know it ends. Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great, a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. That's it. No fanfare. We didn't wave goodbye. We didn't say thank you for the good times. We didn't say thank you for the bad times. Basically, thrones are set. Heaven and earth just go. No fanfare. It's, they're, it's gone. Heaven, the heavens and earth as we know it just cease. They flee from his presence. The history of, all, the history of earth has run its course. But now there's a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, first, first earth, try to say that again, passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, new, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Amen. Amen. I like that. I like that a lot. Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write these words, write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So this is the history of the earth from beginning to end. Jesus once again said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The eternity that we have is not where we plant our feet, but on what we place in our heart as we continue to study and trust the word of God. Yes, there's great turmoil coming on the earth, but guess what? God reigns, he has a purpose for the earth, and he has a purpose for you. And yes, one day this earth as we know it will flee from God and cease to exist no more. But a new heaven and a new earth adorned with such beauty coming down, and that's where we will place our feet forever and ever to be with God and to be able to worship and praise. There'll be no pain, no death, no sorrow, no crying. He will wipe away every tear, and the old things pass away, and he, behold, he has made all things new. There is great news when we trust the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. The governments can build all the green things they want. God holds the destiny of the earth. 
It will serve his purpose according to his plan in his time, period. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me share that with you this evening. <laughs>